0: Hi, I'm Jayan Shriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindus Analysis Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this podcast on Wednesday, the 3rd of June. This is an update show on coronavirus in India. And uh, today we're basically going to look at, um, we're going to start by looking at the topic of recovery rates. This is a number that has been steadily rising in India. Um, It's a number much publicized by the health ministry whenever they have a briefing. And we did, in a previous episode, say that we would return to discuss this when the recovery rate nears or crosses 50%. Um, I think that we're somewhere at around 48-49% or now, so it's very likely to happen in the next couple of days. So, we're going to focus this episode on basically discussing what the concept of a recovery rate is and how the definitions may have changed over the past few weeks and basically why why these numbers are important. I'm joined today by Jacob Koshi, the Hindu's deputy science editor. Jacob, so, so let's just get straight into it. What, um, I mean, if I were to do an FAQ kind of uh, format, what is the recovery rate? Why is it important?
1: So the recovery rate is basically the proportion of cases of confirmed uh, who are once COVID positive, And the number of them as a proportion of the overall the people who have recovered or, you know, have been discharged or cured, you know, from the infection as a proportion of the total number of confirmed COVID pa- uh, patients. So basically, you always have uh, two options. Either once you are confirmed positive, you uh, uh, after fourteen days, uh, it, uh, any case either results in death or you are discharged, or you remain an active case. So basically, the proportion of those who have recovered, you know, as uh, you know, as a total number of confirmed positive is what you call the recovery rate. Now it stands to reason that you know if uh, once. Uh, once you are an active patient, you will either end up in, it will either end up in death or you'll end up in recovery. And in this case, the case fatality rate has always been fairly low. It was four percent for a long time, it's dipped down to three, and now it's become 2.8. So that also naturally means that the number of people who have been recovering is also high. And uh, over time, because uh, now we are nearly we've got 200 thousand plus cases as of today, uh, what has happened is that the number of active cases, that is the number of those who are in hospital or in under home quarantine is about one lakh uh, one thousand uh, four ninety seven, whereas those who have recovered is one lakh uh, three hundred three. So they are very close and it is quite likely that uh, by tomorrow or day after the number of recovers for the first time will actually exceed the number of those inactive uh, uh, active covid positive patients that is a good sign that could in, and it, uh, it does not say much because we are also adding 8000 cases plus per per day right. and unless i mean we can really the epidemic can be said pandemics can be said to have come under control once these active cases actually actually start dropping For instance, even in Italy and uh, the UK and even Spain, you know, the three European countries that have uh, been kind of the central focus of what the worst of the pandemic can be. I mean, they are still adding cases every day, but the number of fresh cases is far, far below. it. In Italy, for instance, it's less than 600 or 500 cases a day. Uh, In the UK, it's about 1,500 cases a day that has been adding. And they have long surpassed their peaks. They used to have 6,000. Italy at its worst had 6,000 cases per day for, uh, you know, somewhere around March in terms of uh, the number of cases it was adding. And now it is really flattened out in the sense it is, it is not, it's more than flattened. It's actually declining. India is not, is, is, is not anywhere near that situation. We're still adding 8,000, 10,000. So a recovery rate increasing might look like a positive. But the way one should interpret it is that many more patients are uh, who are now under active surveillance are actually mild uh, uh, cases moreover since may 11 the government had icmr had already uh, given instructions which have been adopted by states to reduce the number of uh, days that somebody has can, uh, you know somebody who is showing mild signs of the disease can uh, needs to stay in hospital or in a quarantine center the norms of home isolation that is if somebody is uh, uh, you know not showing severe symptoms that person can also choose to stay at home so all of these cases combined you also don't need to show in the early days you needed to show two two negative tests on the 10th and 14th day uh, after testing positive to be considered uh, recovered now you don't need a negative test on the 14th day the 10th and uh, after seven or eight days, if you're positive, we don't even need one negative test. So all these relaxations sessions basically mean that, you know, patients, people have are being declared as recovered much faster. And uh, the very fact that there are a lot more mild cases also, also shows that uh, there has been some benefit of testing as well as quarantining and isolation. That is, you are able to... Uh, the, the infections really is surging among those who have got uh, who, are, who have been the contacts of uh, somebody who initially tested positive. So that means those people, uh, uh, you know, uh, are are mild cases and, uh, you know, they are being uh, addressed quickly and they are not allowed to spread the cases, uh, you know, infection further. So in this sense is why we are seeing a, a significantly higher number of rates. But... In, Inclusion ultimately does. You really start will have to start decreasing the number of active cases being added per day, and till then, just relying on recovery date rate as a sign that India has got the infect has put the pandemic under control is uh, is a misnomer.
0: Right. So just just to also just to clarify this point, when uh, when we say recovery rates is one way to interpret this, basically that um, we we do have a lot of cases that are coming in, but a lot of them do. Tend to be mild or asymptomatic. Which has always been the case. Which has always been the case. Right. The case. Which has always been the case. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people are getting discharged or they don't. They or the requirement now is that they don't need to be tested. You know further. To, yeah. Uh, uh, to be declared recovered. So yeah. if, when a person is declared recovered, basically that means he, he or she is dischar- discharged from hospital. Or w- what's the definition there? Yeah.
1: You're you're discharged only if you're considered recover. You're recovered. Otherwise. You will be on treatment. You will be an active case. You will probably, if you are in, a, if you are in a serious case, you will be on ventilator or into the ICU. And you know, it, in the worst case, it could recover. It could result in death. So you know, the thing, is, uh, unless if let's say you were a person who was who was positive, and you were somebody who actually then started showing a, a severe case of, of the of the infection. So, then right. over time, you let's say you might need extensive hospital uh, monitoring. So, then the odds are very high that you will survive, but you know, you would need a couple of more, uh, you would need two negative tests uh, to be uh, confirmed as completely cured of the infection. But let's say you have been identified positive early mm-hmm. on and you never really progressed to a severe infection. Within right. 10 days, you could be considered as discharged. So, a lot of Cases probably are falling in this category now, and they are not. They do not uh, have to spend 14 days initially. Whether you had a mild infection or whether you were slightly severe, you still needed to spend more uh, a minimum of 14 days. But now, right. depending on the state of infection, you need to spend only a minimum of 10 days. So it makes a lot of. Uh, I mean, the recovery, the recoveries can be quicker, given that the infection for the vast majority is anyway mild. So, which is why these numbers are reflecting much higher and uh, translating into a higher recovery uh, rate, so to say.
0: Okay, um, so good to get some clarity on that. And Jacob, let's also spend some time discussing uh, the other big story uh, from today. Yeah. That's um. That's an investigation that was led by The Guardian. I won't get into the details of it exactly. I'll let you explain that. Yeah. But basically, just to sort of give an overview, there is a company that... Um, there's some fraudulent data that that an that a American yeah. company has provided and that has formed the basis for some policy decisions related to COVID-19 and also yeah. some articles published in some very reputed journals. So yeah, go ahead, please tell us what that's about.
1: So this is basically the issue really started from a very significant study that published in the Lancet. I mean, it was led by Mandeep Mehra, who's a, a doctor in, in, in the US and... Uh, Along with Sapan Desai, who was uh, the CEO of a company called SurgySphere. now they had published this data regarding uh, hospital outcomes of patients uh, who were COVID positive uh, from of nearly ninety six thousand patients from nearly six con- uh, continents and nearly six hundred hospitals, and their basically data seemed to show that you know HCQ, the anti-malarial was not effective and it was actually extra harmful uh, and it really didn't do much to cure patients at all. Now this was a big blow for uh, HCQ as treatment as, as a treatment modality and India uh, as we've discussed several times on this show before India was is one of the biggest producers of HCQ and you know is exporting it majorly to several other countries. Now this was a, a after this Lancet study came out, the WHO also announced that, you know, it was put, putting a pause on tests of HCQ in in a trial called the SOLIDARITY trial. Now, there's a trial where the WHO is, uh, is sponsoring the test of HCQ in, um, you know, in several hospitals across the world. And basis the Lancet study, the WHO decided that, you know, it would be pausing uh, this uh, study, uh, its investigation. And await uh, results. Await uh, await an independent analysis by its data safety monitoring board, which which would review all the studies on at CQ so far, and basically analyze whether uh, you know it was uh, you know it was harmful or whether it didn't have any uh, health etc. But over time, it started to emerge that you know this Lancet study was itself. Uh, did not pass the high master uh, of peer review in the sense that the Lancet is one of the world's most venerable journals. And, you know, you assume that it is uh, any article submitted to it passes through a stringent peer review by experts. But it turned out that, you know, the data that was used, that is, you know, of 96,000 patients, it was by a company called Surgisphere. Its author, the CEO of the company, as I mentioned earlier, was also men- uh, a co-author in the Lancet study. Surgisphere basically was a collator of electronic health records from various hospitals. And it turned out that, for instance, uh, deaths the number of cases and number of deaths that it claimed uh, from, uh, you know, from COVID-positive, were inflated in some instances. In some cases, in Australia particularly, for instance, uh, the number of cases attributed to Australia were far higher than Australia's own national registries. Secondly, there was no transparency in terms of, you know, which were the hospitals consulted and uh, how patients' data was collected in in the first place. So all these questions regarding the usage of Uh, you know the sourcing of data began to emerge and then there were also reports that this company itself was not really specializing in uh in collecting vast medical data sets you know it it seemed to have literally emerged in the last couple of two months it was staffed by people who were not really medical experts Uh, this is partly based on investigations by uh you know independent analysts plus an investigation by the guardian australia so overall once the issues started to come up you know, i mean medical i mean there were uh, scientists uh, who came together that there was a letter written to lancet by 140 scientists together who uh, raised concerns about you know data quality issues and some of the conclusions they said that you know even comparisons comparisons made of you know the about how hq was actually causing uh, more Deaths or cardiac or you know cardiac abnormalities uh, was done basis on you were comparing different kinds of patients you were not comparing apples to apples and that may have exaggerated the you know the toxicity inherent in H uh, C Q so all of these issues were coming up to four for quite some time and the Lancet now uh, today has also uh, issued a statement saying that you know it is. Uh, issued something called an expression expression of concern. That means, you know, it is warning researchers everywhere not to really take this paper as seriously as before and uh, pending uh, in, an investigation into its own, uh, you know, into the data processes, etc. So this is a bit, uh, I mean, all of this really got compounded. I mean, mistakes, retractions, etc. do happen in the world of uh, medical journals and peer review, but this really took on a massive life of its own because the WHO literally within two days of the Lancet paper you know took this decision to suspend HCQ and it sent basically a very negative image regarding HCQ so as yeah. I, even in India scientists I mean unusually I mean the uh, the director general of the CSI sent a strong letter to, uh, to, you know, uh, to the Lancet condemning the study and you know faulting some of its statistics and I had also reported uh, about this and you know I was told that uh, I mean, the, the, the director general of uh, the CSI also told me that this has done irreparable damage to HCQ in the sense that even if countries wanted to test HCQ, people would be averse to uh, wanting to try this drug because the impression had been grounded this was a totally very dangerous drug. drug. Whereas, whether HCQ was useful in, uh, in COVID or not, what is well known is apparently is that the HCQ is, has been in use for several decades and, you know, it has its negative effects are well understood in terms of cardiac, cardiac arrhythmias, etc. HCQ is also important to India because India is now trying out, has recommended HCQ to several frontline workers, to doctors, like at a high risk of exposure to uh, COVID positive patients, even asymptomatic uh, family contacts of those who test positive. And we also cannot forget the fact that this India, there are several pharma companies in India are producers of this drug, are exporters of this drug. And therefore, uh, a bad rep for HCQ also affects, you know, the international sourcing as well as uh, business for these uh, companies.
0: Right. So we might have uh, some news to discuss about HCQ uh, again in the coming days. You think in in, in case there's um yeah some
1: if the WHO gives some statement of whether on the study is retracted or you know, that could be an important development. But fact of the matter still remains that you know HCQ as far as treating uh, COVID posit- severe or uh, you know moderately sick COVID positive uh, patients. That many studies, independent of this, have kind of established that you know, etsequte really does not uh, work very well. But yeah. uh, you know, the 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 you know the focus really is on the is the, the aspect and of concern for India is really uh, as a preventive. India already now has started you know considering other drugs like remdesivir in terms of treating uh, severely sick patients.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, that's another news update. Of course, that I think um, today or yesterday, uh, remdesivir was approved for uh, treatment of severe patients uh, severely affected by COVID nineteen in India as well. Yeah, that's again for emergency use,
1: so to say. Uh,
0: yeah. Right. So Jacob, we'll uh, we'll leave it there, and I think um, we'll return to the subject as and when news develops, and we have sure. more to discuss. Uh, thanks uh, for joining me today.
1: Okay. Thanks, Jen.